So uh, today, we're taking a break from our series, uh, Belong, or You Were Made to Belong, to, to, to jump into something that God used another pastor to really inspire me to teach on. Um, in one month, we are going to be one year old as a church. Woo! We've made it. We've made it. Um, and we started having services March 15th of 2015, and so that's just going to be a month away from today. But I was so excited about what God is doing here. So excited about how God has moved in this past year and where God is leading us that I decided to preach next month's message today. That's how excited I am. I was like, forget it. I'm not going to wait. I'm like that kid who just can't wait to open up their presents. My son celebrated his fifth uh, birthday this year, and I just love to torture kids and not let them open their gifts for a time. So I will make excuses of why they can't open it just yet. Well, son, you haven't brushed your teeth yet. Well, son, you should really eat something. And he's just like, I just want to open that gift. Well, that was just like me. And um, eventually he did open the gifts and we let him open them uh, on time and early. But just like me, I really wanted to share this message with you this morning because I just, I can't wait to see what God has in store for us. And I believe God is doing a new thing in and through this church and through every individual here. I, I always say, I don't believe that you're here by chance. Whether this is your first time, whether you've been here a hundred times, I want to let you know that there is a reason that God brought you here this morning. There is a reason why God has called you to be a part of a church plant called Relevant Church. I believe that he is doing a new thing in and around us. And like I always say, we have not reached our shoe size yet. There's a lot of room to grow. You've got empty seats next to you. And why do we exist? We exist for these empty seats. God is calling us here to prepare the space for the empty seats. And during our vision message this uh, early this year, we said, we've got to set the table. Because God's children are coming home. And if God's children are coming home, we've got to set that table. And so this morning, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about that because I believe that God is building his church and it's going to be beyond our wildest imagination. I am so confident of that. And he's inviting all of you. He's inviting all of us to be a part of that. Now, since we're talking about relationships, uh, it's, it's, uh, since it's Valentine's Day, I want to share Christine and I's relationship um, was always controversial. Me and Christine uh, were the most unlikely couple to get together. We had different friendship circles. I mean, we saw each other on campus. We met in college freshman year. Like I always say, she was dating one of my friends, and I walked up into his room the first day I found out that he was dating her, and I said, look, enjoy it while it lasts because she's going to be my wife. I absolutely did tell him that. And five years later, we were married, indeed. But uh, Christine and I's relationship was always talked about, and people couldn't figure out why we ended up together, how we ended up together, because we were the most unlikely to date. And so when Christine and I started dating, somebody came to Christine, and I remember who it was, too, that guy. I wasn't going to use a very nice word, but anyway, he comes up to Christine, and he says, really? Muta? That guy? You could have picked anybody else, but you ended up with that dude? And, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because I got the same reaction. 
I remember being at my parents' house, sitting back on uh, uh, the deck, and I was on the phone with one of my buddies. And he was like, dude, I heard you with Christine John. I said, yeah, like, how did that happen? You, you're with her? That girl? This was like, wait, what, what are you trying to say? And I, I don't know what uh, they were insinuating. Well, I, I, I may know a little bit about me. I don't know what they were insinuating about you. But <laughs> I got to ask the question, have you ever been that girl? Have you ever been that guy? It, it doesn't feel good. For anybody who's in here who's been that girl or that guy, it doesn't feel good to be that girl or that guy. We all have reputations, though. All of us have reputations that precede us. Individuals have reputations that precede us. And uh, being a pastor, I know some of you guys' reputations. Don't get nervous. I'm not going to tell anybody. Just me and God. (laughs) No, but the reality is people have reputations. Families have reputations. Businesses have reputations. Organizations have reputations. And actually, let, let me tell you something. Maybe you don't know this. Maybe you've never heard this before, but churches have reputations. <gasps> really? Absolutely. Churches have reputations. And uh, I was listening to a message, and again, the pastor that kind of inspired me to teach this message, he was telling a story about when he was about 20 years old. He started preaching, and he was away at some church, visiting some church in some different city, and he was there riding in the car with the pastor of the church that he was preaching at. He said he doesn't even know why they were in the car together. It's been a few years, but they were there nonetheless. And uh, they were driving by this church because they were doing a a small little uh, revival at their church. And uh, he he makes a joke that their revival had about 15 people reviving. There weren't a whole lot of people there. But um, in any case, they drive by another church and they see it's packed out. It wasn't a very big church, but this church had cars everywhere. Cars parked up on the curb. It just seemed like there was probably music blasting out through uh, the, the church doors or something. Something was going on over there. And he made the comment as he was driving by with his pastor friend in the car. He was like, whoa, that church is packed. And this pastor said, huh, that church. So he's like, wait, wait, I'm sorry. I I didn't say it to be offensive. I didn't want to cause any friction or anything, but um, why, what makes you say that? And he says, that church, they're weird. Churches have reputations. That church And the funny thing is that he asked that pastor the thing that I want you to ask every single individual, whoever says, you go to that church? Have you ever been? Have you been there? Have you talked to the people there? Have you met anybody there? Have you sat down with the pastor there? Have you communicated with them? Do you know who they are, what they stand for, what their vision is? 
Do me a favor and grab your Bible and go to Matthew chapter 16 with me. Matthew chapter 16, it's page 533 in the Bible next to you on the seat. And you can navigate to it on your device. This is a conversation that Jesus is having with his disciples. He's having this conversation with uh, the group of individuals who he has closest around him. And they've kind of been uh, finding out what's been going on on the streets. What are people saying about Jesus? And Jesus is curious, what are, what are people think? what are people saying about me? That's what Jesus is asking. So starting in verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? Talking about himself. And they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. Today, I'm going to spend a few minutes talking to you under the theme, we are that church. We are that church. Now, Christianity, this thing that we're involved in, this this religious system that we are so dedicated to, Christianity has not always been so popular. If you follow the trajectory of history, you find out that Christianity at one point was thought of as just a small little sect of Judaism. It's just this small group of individuals that were starting trouble, hanging out with this one weird guy who told everybody that he was God and that he was the Messiah. And so much so that they hated this group so much that they took this individual just because of his comments and who he was and put him on the cross and beat him and and stripped him of his clothes and spat at him and uh, called him names and treated him so horribly. This was the beginning of Christianity, and this was the Messiah who we call Jesus, our Lord and Savior. The fact of the matter is no one thought Christianity was going to last. Everybody thought it would be just this fly-by-night religion that went away. In fact, there's a story recorded in Acts about a guy named Gamaliel. And I'll read it to you real quick. In Acts chapter six, chapter 5, verse 35, it says, And he said to them, this is talking about Christianity here. And he said to them, Men of Israel, take care of what you're about to do with these men, talking about these followers of Jesus. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed, and all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. And after him, Judas, the Galilean, rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. 
So in the present case, this case about this little Christianity thing, this, this little Jesus-following crazy people, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone, for if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. The church was thought of as just this little band of misfits. These individuals who were just coming together for no reason, and eventually it will fade away. It would just phase out. Our church, this place that you're here today, has not been free from criticism. We've already had our own. We've not even reached the one-year mark, and we've already had some criticism and doubts. I want to share some things with you. So this was shared in a staff meeting of a church. They won't even get past the point of building a core group. It's going to fall apart. It's not going to happen. This was shared to my face. This is somebody talking to me. Oh, I'm glad you're building a church like that for your people. Your people? Interesting. Someone shared this as someone I know. Oh, you're that church that plays that kind of music. I don't know how the heck people listen to that type of music. But I'll tell you what, we've also had some great things said about us. Share, this was shared on a first-time guest survey. Overall, loved the church. Everyone is so welcoming and friendly. The diversity is incredible. You guys have something special going on here. It was peaceful, fresh, friendly, and familiar. About the music, it was nice and entertaining. Enjoyed the vocals, guitar, good style. So the other person, I don't know, they can kick rocks. Forget them. <laughs> this was shared by a first-time guest. This is probably the most theologically sound church I've been to. Jesus is building his church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail. And if we are going to be that church, there are five things that we are just going to have to be. These five things are the five things that have defined who we've been. And these are the five things that better define us as we move forward. As we go ahead, if we want to be that church that passionately follows Jesus, that church that loves across boundaries, that church that makes a tangible difference in our community, region, and world. Point number one, this is in your teaching sheets, and I would love if you would follow along. We've got to keep it creative. We've got to keep it creative. When the Bible opens up, what does it say? In the beginning, God created. We serve a creative God. God formed this world out of nothing. Have you ever seen the painted sky at dusk? Have you ever gone outside on a clear day and looked at the stars 
twinkling up. Have you ever checked out the landscape? I told you guys a few uh, weeks ago, I was flying over the mountains, and I was just looking at the expanse of the lands, and I just said, this is incredible. This is heavenly artwork. Have you ever seen the complexity of the human body? I mean, God formed us out of the dust of the ground. And I don't know about you, but have you looked at dirt lately? It's not that exciting. But men, married men, have you ever seen dirt wrapped around a figure, some hips, some thighs? Dirt with a beautiful smile. I mean, you give dirt some beautiful eyes and this dirt comes alive, doesn't it? Listen to what Bill Moyer said. He's, he's a, a, a commentator uh, from, from the past. He says, creativity is piercing the mundane to find the marvelous. Creativity is piercing the mundane to find the marvelous. God saw dirt. Shoot, God saw nothing. And he says, let there be. And it was marvelous. The Bible says he looked at it and he said, it is good. So we've got to keep it creative, guys. We've got to keep it creative. So we use technology here. I mean, take a look at these. We really, we don't need to do all of this. It doesn't have to have all these fancy colors and have all this stuff on there. But if we can, why not? Why can't we keep it creative? I mean, I remember our first video announcements uh, when we first started. This was uh, when, when the church was just forming, before we had the DSLR camera. We were like, hey, you know what? We're going to keep it creative. And remember, Rhonda, the first video announcements were shot with this, an iPad. We've got to use creative elements to make sure that people come and experience a creative God. I mean, why do we have these little structures and the lights and all of that for the ambiance? This is just one piece of creativity that we want to see take place here. We want to constantly be asking ourselves, how can we do things better? Because we serve a marvelously creative God. And I wanted to, um, it's about a two-minute video, but I'm, I'm going to show it anyway. This is our second video announcement to tell you, show you a little bit about where we've come from. We've got to keep it creative, guys. That was Rhonda and Jessica. Yeah, we'll, we'll go ahead and give them a clap. So we're going to have to look at ways to do things better. Benjamin Franklin said this, if better is possible, then good is not enough. So we're going to keep it creative, guys. The second thing that we're going to do is we have to keep it controversial. Dun, dun, dun. We've got to keep it controversial. Jesus was one of the most controversial people who's ever walked this planet. See, when Jesus was considered a drunk because he hung out with some people that were a little bit sketchy. In fact, the Bible says this. It says, the Son of Man came eating and drinking. This is Jesus talking about himself. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and of sinners. 
yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. You know, I've always often said if all of your friends, if the only friends that you have are church-going, clean-cut, straight-laced people, then I don't know what you're doing. Because that wasn't Jesus' life. If you don't have at least one sketchy friend in your life, then you're just wasting time. Because we can't be so heavenly bound that we are no earthly good, as the saying says. So I remember we raised a few eyebrows at a launch team gathering when we're saying, how can we meet our community out, uh, out in the where God is at work? And we saw that on the calendar, there was a beer and wine festival. So we said, we are going to go serve at the beer and wine festival. And I remember seeing some of the initial launch team look at me with the biggest wide eyes in the world. I'm like, are you serious? Well, absolutely. Because guess what? How many churches are going to serve at the beer and wine festival? Absolutely not. So let's go out there and connect with God's people where they are. And I'll tell you our experience from serving at the beer and wine festival. That place, we met Victor. Victor has become one of our strongest volunteers here. And because of Victor, Susanna showed up. And Susanna came here, and she was baptized a few weeks ago, and she says, I want to follow Jesus. This Jesus that you preach, this is the Jesus that I want in my life. And because of Susanna showing up, Tara showed up. And we've got Tara back there. So why did we serve at the Beer and Wine Festival? Because we believe God is at work all around us, and we want to join him. And we're going to push the envelope. We're going to do things that are a little bit controversial. So in the last week, there was a Facebook comment about a video that we promoted on Facebook. This was for our Jersey Sunday. So we were saying, hey, look, everybody grab your jerseys, wear your jerseys. And we had a lot of fun, didn't we? We had fun wearing our jerseys, and everybody came out, and we celebrated. And then uh, during the week, this comment popped up. David Collin, I don't know who David Collin is, and somebody's looking at me like, I can't believe you put his name up there. It's on Facebook. You could have found it. (laughs) Seriously. So uh, I'm not a jerk. It's just there. Um, He says, where is that kind of excitement for winning souls? And check out this response. Absolutely. Any opportunity to intentionally create space for people to have a personal encounter with Jesus at church is exciting. We're going to do things, guys, that's going to push the envelope. We're going to do things that are going to make some of us, even in here, uncomfortable. John Wesley, one of the great preachers, started the whole Methodist movement and the Wesleyans who came out of there, he said this, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. We're going to be lighting it up, folks. Pull out the propane tanks because it's going to get crazy around here. Woo! Yeah. And we will, like I said, we, we'll push on... Push the envelope, and, and for some of you guys, it's just going to get uncomfortable. And maybe you'll say, hey, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if this is the right place for me. Or other people are going to look, and they're going to say, I, I don't know if I can really be a part of something like that. And here's the reality is we will be a church for anyone, but we'll not always be a church for everyone. 
And that's just the truth. We've got to keep it moving. We've got a goal to set. And for the sake of the gospel, we'll do whatever it takes to see people come to faith in Jesus. Point number three, we have to keep it consistent. We've got to keep it consistent. Now, the Israelites were told by God that they were going to take the city called Jericho. So God tells them, what I need you to do is I want you to circle this city, the Jericho wall, seven times. So are we going to pull the guns out? Nope, you're going to circle the city. Well, are we going to get ready to fight? Just circle the city. And day after day, and I bet you after circle number four, it was just like, really? What are we doing, guys? After circle number five, they're like, is this really doing us any good? Circle number six came, and they were like, you know what? Maybe, maybe we should just give up now. But when circle number seven came and they blew those trumpets, what does the story say? The the song says, and the walls came tumbling down. We're in a marathon and not a sprint, guys. We're in this for the long haul. And you know what? Some of us, I heard this quote, some of us have never known the joy of belonging to a church because we've never embraced the sacrifice of staying in one. We're going to have to show some consistency. This is, this is not going to be the type of church where we're going to say, like, you know, I just don't feel like going today. Uh, you know, I'm tired. I had a long week. I'm just, I'm just going to stay home. I'm just going to retreat home. God is building his church, and he's invited us to join him. That means we have to stay consistent. We constantly have to be there to show up and set the table and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for who you're sending home. I'm ready to receive your children who are coming home. We've got to keep it consistent. And if you notice in this verse that we read in Matthew chapter 16, he didn't say, I will create my church. He created the world. Just one word spoke out and it was filled. But he says, I will build my church. And what does that mean? When we build, it's a process. It's brick upon brick upon brick, motor, brick, motor, brick. And eventually you get to the point where you sit back and you look and you say, we've got a house. And we're building God's house and he's invited us in the process. And so uh, here goes the reality, guys. In March, you're not going to see a one-year celebration. Why? Because we celebrate every week we walk into these doors. We celebrate what God is doing. We celebrate when we worship. We celebrate when the word goes out. We celebrate when we gather in community, in small groups at what God is doing. Because we have a lot of work to do. And we've got to remain consistent. Point number four. We have to keep it compassionate. Jesus talking here, he says, uh, for I was hungry and you gave me food. He's telling his disciples what's going to happen at the end of time when we meet our king. This is what he's going to say to us. For I was hungry and you gave me food. 
I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. And that's in Matthew chapter 25, verse 35 through 40, if you want to go check that out. Matthew 25, verse 35 through 40. We've got to keep the compassion. What I love about this church, this group of individuals, this church plant, this small group of individuals who've been forming over this past year, is that we're committed to getting beyond the walls. We realize that what happens here is just one part of our faith. It's a big part, but it's only one part. God is at work in and around this city, in and around this region, in and around this world. And rather than come here and create new programs or create new ministries so people can come here, God has invited us to join him there. So this last year, this small group of individuals sponsored our first missionary. And she went out overseas, and she's finally returned home. And as a group here, we do small things like, hey, you know what? We don't need to think about starting a soup kitchen. The Salvation Army already serves food each day. So each month, we go and serve at the Salvation Army. Is there a picture of it? We connect, and we have fun, and we we bring food, and we connect with the individuals there. And then last fall, a group of us went and said, hey, look, where is there a need in the area? And we were talking to somebody over at the Pregnancy Care Center. They said, you know, we are a volunteer-ran nonprofit here that needs a lot of hands on deck. We have a lot of women coming through here, and we want to make sure this place is clean, and this place is covered, and this place has everything in order so that we can receive those who are coming in. And so... A group of us went and we cleaned the pregnancy care center. A small gesture, but saying, God, we believe in what you're doing there. These individuals are there saving lives. They're protecting the sanctity of life. So we're joining you at work there. You know the saying that says, if we cease to exist, Would our community miss us? That's something that we need to be asking ourselves daily. That's something that you need to be asking yourself daily. How is God calling you to join him at work? We don't have to do it just as the church. You are the church. And wherever you are, the church shows up. I remember Jenny was telling me about a time that she was uh, talking to a a young lady that she was mentoring 
over at the Pregnancy Care Center. She's joining God at work. Where's God calling you to serve him? And finally, we've got to keep it crazy. We've got to keep it crazy, guys. Let me tell you, anyone who is at the ground level of a church plant has got a little bit of crazy in them. All you guys sitting here, you got a little bit of crazy inside of you. I mean, think about it. Rhonda James met me at the Paris. Some random guy moving to this city with this dream of starting a church. She began to engage me and she says, tell me more. Tell me more. And then she says, hey, you know what? I'm going to come to your Bible study. And not only did she show up, but she showed up with her entire family. That's crazy. That's crazy. I remember Rhonda and Jessica, who you just saw in that video. Two businesswomen, they, they run Skylight Consulting, this amazing professional high-level company. They're dealing with uh, Fortune 100 execs throughout the week. And they meet this young guy at some community event. And he says, guys, God has put a passion inside of me to start a church. And for some reason, I think God is calling you guys to come along the journey too. And these two women joined the core group before it was even called the core group. That's crazy. Jimmy and Allie. Jimmy right there, the awesome guy on the electric. His wife, Allie, over at the information desk. They left an amazing ministry. I mean, this place is phenomenal. It's a great church with a lot of influence and a lot of reach. They said, we believe God is calling us to join him at work here. That's crazy. Keontae. Keontae, right there. Was supposed to be in Ohio. He was supposed to go to Columbus, Ohio. This was his one time to finally leave this area. He says, I'm on my way out. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm, I'm turning away from Michigan. I'm not looking back. And we sit down for coffee. And he says, man, I see God at work here. And I'm going to forego my plans to move to Columbus. I'm going to forego my escape because I believe God is calling me to serve here. That's crazy. John and Kathy a couple of weeks ago show up. They get a flyer in the mail. They get here and they say, huh, we're older than everybody here. And they decide to plug in. And each week I've seen John here serving and his wife just so enthusiastic. Every time I see them, they've got smiles on their face. They said, God is at work here. I want to join him. Y'all are crazy. I'm crazy. You're crazy. We're all crazy. They called the early church crazy. And we are that church. D.L. Moody says this. D.L. Moody said, the world has yet to see what God will do 
40 people? What about with 40 people? Last week we had 51 people here. I'm telling you guys, Jesus is building his church. We are that church. And this city, this region, this world, they ain't seen nothing. They have not seen nothing yet. We are that church. If we're going to be that church, we've also got to keep it courageous. Being part of a church plan is not easy. I received a text message this morning at 6.47 on a Sunday morning from Rhonda. I can't even remember what that text message was about. But the fact of the matter is we have individuals who get here at 8 o'clock every single morning on a Sunday morning that sacrifice their time, their energy to join God at work. And I don't know where you're at in your life, but I believe that God brought you here this morning for a reason. I believe that he's inviting you into what he's doing here at Relevant Church. And as I tell people, I we look for people with three qualities. Individuals who are called, committed, and courageous. And a little bit of crazy. And if that's you this morning, I just want to invite you into what God is doing. Because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. We are that church. And to all you who may not be part of the team yet, welcome home.